Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's quicker by rail. Let the train take the strain. Go to work on an egg. <laughs> Join Jules and Jim on our Joyride. Joy on this podcast, I'm particularly delighted to welcome one of the greatest singers in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Also, royalty, because it's none other than the living Boogie Woogie Queen... Uh, Her Majesty, the Queen of Boogie Woogie, Ruby Turner. Oh, yes. Hello. (laughs) How lovely. Thank you for the invite. How lovely. Thank you. We have toured all over the world, of course, uh, together in different sorts of places. But what's your favourite? Do you you enjoy travelling? I do. You know, as a baby, my stepmom said to me when I was a child, she said, on your feet, you have a travelling mole. And that means you're always going to keep moving. As a baby, I had a little black spot in the sole of my feet. Oh. And she said, I've got a traveling mole. Of course, as a child, you don't know what that meant. Of course, I left Jamaica age nine. And my career is such that I have not stopped traveling, you know, nearly 30 years and on. And um, what a journey it's been. It's been quite wonderful. And I, and I quite, I love being out on the road. You know, um, it's one of those, it's, there's a sense of freedom. And as much as I love my home, and, and when, I, when, it, when I'm due to tour, it's very difficult to tear me from the doors because I'm hanging on for dear life. I don't, I'm taking everything with me that reminds me of home. But once I leave, I feel abandoned and free, you know, yeah. Exactly, one less thing to worry about. Out of interest, is the travelling mole, just because a lot of the listeners to this podcast will be saying to themselves, have I got one of those? So yeah. where, where, where was it located on your foot? On, on the heel, you know, the base of your, your feet on the heel, just a, 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 on the sole, the flat part of your heel. And it's still there, I think. I haven't grown it out, it's still there. I have an actual garden mole that I ride around <laughs> no, on. No, not That's not my that travelling mole. mole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't got that kind of mole. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and that kind of stayed with me over the years. And, and the more I, I, I toured and... and the world and stuff, it's just... Then I thought, maybe she was right. And I don't seem to have a problem leaving home and I don't seem to have a, You know, I don't get a sort of, I must get home. I don't have that at all. Do you know when you're... Really when you're, sp- when you're, when you're do you take stuff with you? Because people take a pillow, don't they, and stuff like that? Yeah, well, when the tours we do now, I take a pillow because I'm on, you know, in do the you? bus and so... Just to be comfortable. But something that reminds you of home, you, to make you feel comfortable. So yeah, just a little, some, little something, you know, something, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I take my sofa with me. Yes, he takes his sofa and some armchairs with him where he goes, <laughs> make him feel comfortable. Take my, my three-piece suite and my mantelpiece. Yes, I mean, yeah, I... Well, that, that, that's the size of your tour bus. Yeah. But I think you're right, Ruby, once you get out on tour, it's quite nice. Once you've got the, the feel of the open road, the nicest bit about being on tour is if you just keep going to a different place every day. If you go back home and then come out again, that's what makes it difficult, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's quite wonderful. I mean, you know, during this lockdown, I've, I've, I've sort of gravitated to anything to do with touring the UK or, you know, anyone, John and Lumley, whoever, this wonderful, those, those, those documentaries they do where they, 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 they go across the UK. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've been there on the road, I've passed through there. Just wonderful places in the UK. And, and I just want to be there now. I just want to go to those places. I want, I, I want a camper van. I want a Winnebago Papa job, and I'm going to do this tour. When it's coming, I'm not going anywhere abroad. I'm staying in the UK. This is such a wonderful, wonderful country to, 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 to visit, you know. So lockdown, don't, you're not locking me down. I'm off. Yeah, you're no, nobody's, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody born who could lock you down, Ruby, I know that. No, they're not locking me down, I'm Did you say you've, um, did you say you've bought one, or are you going to get? I, no, I've, I've investigated thus far, I think I've got to sell right. a lot of things to get one of those. Okay, here's my tip, because I, I had a small, I had a Volkswagen camper van, which was great, because it's about the size of a car, you get uh -huh. one that size, you're all right. I then hired a bigger one, and went around the Lake District, and you're going over tiny humpback bridges, which are about six foot six wide, and you realise you can't get over them, and then you just get out and weep because there's a, a queue of five miles of traffic behind you yeah. because you're driving so tentatively. When you're not travelling, though, Ruby, how do you get about? Have you got a car, a bike, a foot? Well, by, <laughs> in this lockdown, I've been, I've been very much um, taking advantage of, you know, the couple of hours you get to go and wander the streets. And it's another interesting thing because all this time you've, I've lived here, you know, you've, I've never really explored the area as such, but this this whole year has allowed me to, you know, which you know, you don't have to, you don't have to see it all in one day. You can go a little further in and further out. You take more time going around it. So that's what I've been kind of doing. I've been doing a lot of wandering. There's a, you know, around, because where I am, I'm very fortunate, very, very quiet. There's a little bit of countryside and, and a canal bank. So I wander up the canal canal bank and, and this canal bank goes into Stratford upon Avon. Although I'll never walk that is too far. I wouldn't be able to make it. But it's lovely. I go into the canal bank and all the docks and the, the and, and, and the moorheads are all on it. And that's really great. And I bring stale bread down and feed them and it's wild and all come that's really great. And then I go into the into the into the fields and we got a Christmas tree farm close by and there's cows in the fields and that's really great. So it's been really lovely how taking that little time out to explore where you live you know being really localized and then I go to my local shop and get to know the people in the shops more and you know and then further up the road there's a little church that it's not my church you know it's a CFE church but they had the doors open you know um, during the, 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 the lockdown and I'd go in on a, on a Wednesday and a Saturday and I made that part of my walk so I'd be do two miles on a Wednesday and and, and, and maybe I sat there two miles on a Wednesday and I go up to the church and I sit there all by myself. There's nobody in, you know, and the candles lit to the fire. And I just sit there and I, I talk to God there, you know, and, and, and have a moment by myself and, and just be grateful. And, and, and then I come home and yeah, so it's been really kind of, kind of, um, just doing a lot of walking and obviously it's good for you to good for me as well and good for me to do more walking so they tell you that will get you into shape because when you're back on tour you can then when you're exploring you know because you do it's true <laughs> when you are when you arrive in the in in the in the in dusseldorf and you've only got two hours before sound check. You've got to get as much in as possible. You, I notice you do that quite a lot, Julian. You, no matter where you are, you're off. Your hats on and you're gone. We've done our European tours, which have been fantastic. We love that. And what what I used to really what what I I I adored was that we'll get to the venue or we'll get to the hotel, 
And I think all of us individually used to just wander off and take in, in particularly in Europe, because the chances are I might never go back or whatever, take in the, the vibe, take in the places, you know. And, and we've met many a times wandering the streets of uh, Amsterdam or places in Linz in, in Austria. Yeah. Oh, look where you're coming from. Like, it's just great. Do you walk around and imagine for those just like you're, as you're walking around, oh, well, I might live, if I was here, I might live in that house and I might, that's, that's, the, that's the restaurant I'd go in and that would be my, do you imagine sort of living in the places you walk around well, in? Yes and no. And being, I think, because at the back of my mind, I know I've got my home. What I'm actually experiencing is another place. I'm, t- I'm, 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 I'm absolutely appreciating this, these wonderful countries. You know, no, I, I don't covet wanting to be and stay because I know what it is that I'm doing. I'm touring and we're passing through. And, and I just think it's just really important for me to go and look at it and see it and take it in. Like I, I said at the beginning, that I think I've got wanderlust and I, to, to be in one place for, that's not home home, then I think that I'll be cheating myself in not seeing other parts of the world. Because don't forget, we did, a, we, we did a world tour and we went to Argentina. Yes. And, and and I'll never forget that. My suitcase was still in in, in, in Sydney, Australian, and, and I was wandering streets to find clothes for the gig that night, you know. And uh, Do you mean your your did your suitcase get left behind, you mean? Yes, oh. yeah. It, it was like yeah, I had to buy a brand new case. In actual fact, I bought a brand new case and then we flew to the because Argentina was the last gig for us and put, boarded, you know, got everything came off the conveyor belt by my brand new case. And so it was a day before it turned up again, all bashed with the wheel, all bashed in. But that day when I had to find clothes, but it was wonderful. I was walking down the street and the women, you know, people in the shops, they were so great. They, no, I didn't speak in, in, in Spanish, isn't it, in, in, in Argentina. I've got, well, anyway, I had to make myself understood, but they were so helpful. And I never got to the Pink Palace, but I managed to get around to other little bits of, of Argentina. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's great to say you'd want to live there, but not really, because I'd want to go to, I want to go to Brazil. I want to go to other places yeah. in New Zealand. Oh, now, now there's somewhere I could probably live because I've been to New Zealand about five times and I just love the slow pace of New Zealand. I love, it's completely unspoiled. It's like going back into the fifties and it's so open, there's so much space. And I'll never forget that. And the people are so warm and friendly and lovely. And yeah, I remember really fell in, fell in love with New Zealand more so. You know, when we got to Sydney, I mean, that just wild. You know, you know, Bonsai Beach was great. And Sydney Harbour, where we were just running around eating more food than you want to. And uh, it, which is great, but I wouldn't ever say I want to live there. Yeah. Whereby New Zealand had something that was just kind of laid back and, you know, kind of suited my personality, I think. I think being a musician, that's probably what's done it as well. We're so used to being on the move. When retirement hits, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, you know, you're <laughs> and, never, you're... Everything, and everything stops and falls or falls off and you can't do much. I don't know. I probably have to write a book of some sort, but um, you're not gonna, you shaking your head? You're not going to retire. I forbid you from retiring ever. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's your earliest memories of travelling around? Travelling? i tell you what one of my earliest memories of travelling. Um, I'll go back to Jamaica when I was due to come to this country. And... I didn't have a passport, so I had to go to Kingston because I lived in Montego Bay and I had to go to Kingston. And they, the railways were working then. They, 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 you know, now I don't think the railways, don't ask me what's going what, on. in Jamaica, they're in, not working. In, in infrastructure, Jamaica's in a, you know what I mean? I won't even go there. But I'll never forget being on that train and that very long journey. And, and every time it stopped, people with oranges would come to the window and it would take real hustle and bustle selling things and whatever season, because Jamaica, you know, it goes through the seasons. So you might have mango season, orange season. There's a fruit we call the guinep season. And, and, and my dad would just be buying stuff. And yeah, well, I'll never forget that trip. But then the other huge journey, really thinking about huge journeys, is when you came to England, because how old were you? And you were on your own on the plane, weren't you? Yeah, I was nine. Um, yeah, I was nine years old, and I came. But I was so—I was one of those confident little kids, you know. I, because I, I never—I never knew my mom, so I was coming to England to meet my mom for the first. I was so excited, and I had a nice church hat on, and I, I had my handbag, my little white handbag, my pleated skirt, and I was like, and my gloves. And I mean, this is how like I was going to church. This is like how the West Indians didn't turn out, you know. And my my mom and me, she set me off all dressed up and everything and I came to England you know on a, on a BOAC flight and it was really quite a culture shock in every way you know hey a culture shock meeting my mother for the first time hey who are you kind of thing uh, it really was a bit like that. I mean you know hey we, we, in the, we, we've got on I mean we get on great now but whoa that was some years of you know just as we grew up you learn about bonding what do you know about bonding as a kid you know about bonding and now I understand what it means to have a parent and raised with a parent and the bond you have with your siblings and you put your mom and your dad. I never had that, I was nine. So by which time my bonding was back in Jamaica with my dad and my stepmom, Mama May and my brother, Robert. So it was a whole new thing for me. But fortunately, I guess I was the kind of kid that was full of adventure and, and excitement and, and, and anything's possible because I didn't fear, I had no fear. I was excited to learn new things and this was gonna be great, what an adventure. Do you drive? Well, do you drive, Ruby? I do. I do. I learned to drive very late, very late in life. I'm, I was about 27 when I when I passed my test, and my first little car was a Fiesta Gear. Oh, nice. I mean, top top of the range, a little gear, little Ford gear. It was lovely, little dark windows. It was, I loved that little car. It was really great. So now my confidence was growing. I could get myself around, and people didn't have to wait. You know, put people out. That was the other thing, putting people out to, to, to take you home. That really, that didn't feel right with me. And then my second car was a Maestro MG. Do you remember that one? The first talking car. 
and the light will be on, get the lights on, and, and low fuel, handbrake on. It's to tell you, it's to tell you, give you instructions. Well, it, it said the words to you. Yeah, yeah, the car, yes, the lights, yeah. I never and then knew I, when that. I, hit it, I didn't. And I hit, it got hit on the, on the, because I was just rubbish, spun round. Anyway, it limped home. It then manager made me drive. I rang him, Jeff, I'm in a car. And he said, right, I'm coming. And he came and he made me drive the car home. And as I was driving, it was going, handbrake on, <laughs> lights on. And he came I know you're saying, I'm tired. I'm so very tired. I want to go home now. <laughs> Look what you've done. And it was just like, but, there was such a good thing. He made me almost. You hear the expression "get getting back on the horse," and because I drove it home, it made me continue driving. Because I think if I didn't get back in the car, I probably would have given up with, with fear, you know. But I drove it home, and it and it, it just kept. From then on, got it fixed. But it kept telling me the handbrake was on. You're on the motorway, <laughs> sixty mile an hour handbrake on. I said, "No, it bloody ain't." Anyway, I got rid of that little number. And then I got myself, you know, talk about joy rides because this program about joy rides. Because I didn't realize I was a bit of a petrol head, but I clearly was. And I bought my dream car, and that was my joy ride. It was a BMW uh, 3 Series injection from my record company, Jive. And oh my goodness me, that car was something else. Black. Oh, it sat hard. I said, this car knows its way home because I'd get in this vehicle. And I've been recording at like whatever time at Jive, uh, at Battery Studios in Harleston, late at night, and I'm getting this BM. And somehow I was home in no time. It just kind of knew its way home, you know, and the corner and everything about it was just beautiful. But I like the, but it's what Ruby's saying there about when you had those, those when you first got introduced to German cars, because they're very sure-footed, fast, solidly built, Really great. Incredible. I, I think it's just the whole handling of the vehicle, but being able to handle it and, it, and the way it sat on the road. You know, there was no one that tin can, tin, tin. I mean, I've been in them, that sort of, you know, you go in a corner, you feel it's like on one leg, you know. This was solid. But then I think I, 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 I was, by then I was a better driver after hitting the other talking thing. You know, I was much more conscious of, of holding, you know, uh, you know, holding onto the steering very well and, and, and doing the right thing. But this car, I just felt so solid, so safe. And I absolutely loved this little vehicle. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I always said I'd sell the house before I sold the car. It was a really strange thing to say. In the end, she I had to give it up because, you know, it was just falling apart after a while. Um, but when I, you know, did mm -hmm. I just hear you, you said it was a she, the car? Yeah, yes. well, yes, I called her her. Yeah, I was, she was reliable and she was solid and she knew her way home, man. But some cars, but that's right, but some cars are she's and some are he's, aren't they, I think? Yeah. I used oh, that, to have an old, was... an old uh, a, a Chevrolet Corvette, but that was a he. I yeah. just felt it was a he. Yeah, you know? well, I, I don't know what it's, yeah, it's like the age of a car and also, the, yeah, there's the, the approach, the look of a car. Because a little a Fiat uh, Cinquecento is a she. Although, you know, for instance, you might get an old Foden lorry that could be a she too. Yeah, you could, couldn't you? Yeah. You know. I used to have a, um, an old Morris Traveller, which would be a she, but a very old she, an old lady. <laughs> yes, old teacher, retired teacher. Yes, it's a nice, but very nice, benign old lady. Yeah. Driving Miss Daisy style car. What about the bicycle? Let's just move on to that for a moment, because I've had, a, I think I took you on a bicycle in the in the delightful Dutch university city of Groningen. I, for some unknown reason, I'm not very good on anything that's got to, to anything, you know. I, um, I don't trust myself. I just think I'm going to end up in a, in a hedge somewhere, and I have. 
But also, I remember thinking, you know, in, in Holland, I just I also sit, sit up and beg bikes. I love that. I love in Holland, all these beautiful women and everyone looks so tall and graceful and they, they can cycle with their hands in their pockets and it all. And I went, I want one of those, I can do this. And so I remember one of the tours, I went and I found myself a bag for a hundred euros. I said, I want to sit up and beg bike because I put a basket and I feel great. It'd be great. So I bought this, I found this, this secondhand shop and I bought this bike and then I, I got on this top of this bike and then I tried to cycle back to the hotel. Part waited at the traffic glass and realised I was taller than the cars. Yeah, I think the best thing about cycling is when you've got a high bicycle like this, I don't know if you find this as well, that you, especially around twilight, you can go around and it's, it's the nosy Parker's perfect vehicle because you can yeah. silently pedal around and we'll look at everything that's going on and then yeah. pedal off if you're spotted. It's really perfect. Oh, a periscope does an equally good job. Yes. But I, I, uh, when I, was a kid, I used to go everywhere on my... But when I was a kid, I used to go everywhere on my bike, absolutely everywhere. And one night, me and my mate, we were must have, I think we were about 13, and we went out for a ride. We went far too far. And when we, we got out right out of town, a long way out into the country, and the sun was starting to go down... And we saw this big, long, steep hill, and we both went down this steep hill. I came flying off the over the front and and went down the hill on my face, and I could hear him behind laughing his head off. He went over, and we were both sliding down this hill. But he broke his arm and his leg. He wasn't laughing then. And, no, he wasn't laughing then. And I smashed me um my face up. We went to a petrol station, and um. He got taken to hospital with his bike in the back and I was made to ride mine back and it turned out we were going about, about 15 miles so I had to ride back. It then started raining and I, the, all one side of my face was shredded oh. and I was riding back in, a, in the pouring rain and that was the last time I rode a bike with integrity. Uh. Well, that was my first cycling experience was like that because my first time on a bike ever was my, I was up about, I was aged about four and a half and I was up very early one morning on my own. Everybody else was still in bed. And my friend knocks on the door, says, do you want to come cycling? Aged four and a half. And I just learned to ride a bicycle. So yeah, okay. So I trot out, you know, poor mother's in bed. She has no idea that I've trundled off like this. To go out to the corner of the bicycles where there's a big hill and my friend, because we're only sort of four and a half, says, well, we better not go down there because that's a big dangerous, that big hill. I said, don't be silly. It's the easiest thing to cycle <laughs> down a hill. It's much, I said, in fact, I think you'll find it's much easier to cycle down a hill than it is up a hill. He said, really? I said, yeah, look, I'll show you. It's really easy. I'll go first. So I go down the hill and as I'm picking up speed and the momentum's getting faster and faster, I said, that it really is true what I've said. And so I look back and shouted him, come on, it's easy. And at that point, I then collided with a lamppost. Fortunately, over the road was a glass works where they sort of there was a glaziers and they'd all started work and they saw what had happened to me and I was taken into the office of the glass works. In my mind, I was put on an operating table, but I think it was just their sort of filing cabinet or something. <laughs> anyway, I was bandaged up, but looking back, I think they sort of overdid it, like they sort of they, like they thought, oh, this is a doll's hospital, and we've got this little four and a half year old. So I literally had sort of my leg in a splint and some sort of bandage over my head and just sort of just a finger poking yeah. out of this sort of mummified thing. And and then pushed my bike back up the hill, which wasn't so easy. Got back home, didn't have a key, of course, because I'm only four and a half. Knock on the door. My mother answers the door, thinks I'm still in bed asleep, sees this sort of mummified figure with sort of blood and just a little finger sticking out of the thing and faints. 
Yeah. Oh. So that was a good morning <laughs> when cycling. I, when my, after my incident where I scraped the side of my face off, it, that, it turned into a giant scab over oh. one half of my face, which um, led me to look very much like I would imagine the Phantom of the Opera in reverse. <laughs> Perfect. And here's a message from our sponsors. Jim, where do you get your grenades from? My hand grenades? Well, the same place as you get your gel ignite, I expect. Bomb Alley in Welling. Oh, for all your explosive needs, it's one shop for bunker buskers, booby traps... Neutron bombs and, and torpedoes. Excellent. So what about, you say, we've been aeroplanes, you're flying, the, the bicycling, walking... Um, horse riding? Have you done horse riding? Have yeah. you done that? I, yeah, yeah, I did a bit of that, which was a, another another crazy adventure. I, you know, I've always said to myself, what is it when people go abroad? We we become fearless, and we could become that we can do anything. We would never do it here. No one would say, you know, when go horse riding, go go to a stable, and and, and I would never ent entertain the idea yet. I remember taking my niece to uh, the Dominican Republic for her, uh, she finished past her A-levels, or she just finished her A-levels exams, and she was very stressed, and I thought, right, come on, take you on a holiday, let's go there, we'll do a week there, and we can chill out and do stuff. And, and I'm not the kind of person that goes on holiday to sit lying on a beach and doing nothing. I can't be doing that. I must, once again, must explore and check it out and see what's going on. So I said, oh, let's go horse riding. So. Got, got booked this this day out on this horse business and we got there and, and there's all these horses and big horses, little horses. So, and, and, and the helmets that look like, you know, tin cans. And so put this helmet on and then all of a sudden I, there's a little bit of a fear that when I saw the size of the horse, I went, oh, and what are we doing? And the horses wait, smell wait, that. And and, and you pay, I paid, already paid for it because you pay for it in the hotel, you know, paid for it. So we're sitting there and then we've got on this horse and then, and, and I thought, okay, it's all right. We're just trotting. There's, there's about seven or eight of nicely trotting and 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 then he decides to speed up the lead man but then of course the horses decide to speed up oh, we're doing stop, stop, stop shouting stop 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 no 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 it's going to, don't make it go any faster next thing i know we're going through you know uphills that can't stop me we're on this horse now and, and I'm worried, I thought, what have I done? My sister's child, I brought her all the way to the middle to put on a horse and, and we're both, and Renee, she's hanging on, Renee's holding her, and I'm holding on, trying to be brave. And all things go through my head. I thought, just calm down, it'll be off in a minute. Be off. And you could be praying for that, that 20 minutes horse ride to end. I could not believe what a stupid thing to do. You've never ridden before. What makes you think you could have done that? But how easy? I realize how easy it is to go and, 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 and do something like that and, 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 and end up regretting it, you yeah. know? So that was one of those joy rides that turned into a nightmare. I used to ride a bit, not a lot, but um, when, when I was riding, I, was, I also did a record, which was, um, it was a techno version of Abide With Me, and we had to do uh, <laughs> the, um, the video for it. And I said, and it was very sketchily done, not very well thought through, and I said, I just want to punce around, I parade around on a horse and do some flash moves. And I was riding around. I said, I'll put a bit of mud on my face to make myself look more rural. And uh, so I rode around on this horse. And then they got, I said, they got a circus horse rider in who, would, who could do handstands on the horse. 
and he like, dressed the same as me. He put, put on my my muddy clothes. A stunt it, double, if you will. A stunt double, but an expert. <laughs> and he was he was like riding along, and then he'd jump off it, run along the ground a bit, then jump <laughs> and then do a somersault, stand on his on his hands on the saddle, and um, so when we got the video back. I was telling everybody that I that was oh yes that's me doing all those stunts <laughs> on that yeah and then, and I convinced a lot of people that I was a, a absolute expert horse rider for a long long time but some people probably think it was me well I don't I think it's I I did until you broke the magic spell just now by telling us <laughs> yeah I'm not I, I'm I'm not really a horsist really I don't I've, I've tried it a couple of times but I think it's you need to start early I think with the horses and I always found I was missing. The brakes and the steering, and they don't respond like a car or a motorbike. Yeah, you were on the the iron horse. I think I might have been, or a wooden one. No, that's the iron. That's what you call a, a motorbike. And if you're a, a hell's in America, is that right? The iron horse. Yeah. The, have you not heard that? No, I haven't. No, no. Steel horse, yeah. metal horse. It's, it's iron horse. I'm sure it is. I rented a. Um, it was a, a Suzuki, a, a small. It was. It wasn't a moped. It was a small motorbike in Egypt, in Luxor. And went for a ride out of the town, which I should never have done. Never gone out of the town, because <laughs> uh, I thought, oh, this is it's so nice. I'm in the desert, and a, a huge truck full. I, I, there may have been farmers or soldiers, but they came out, and all of them were sticking their legs out out of the side of the lorry to try and kick me off the bike <laughs> into a ditch, which was filled with dead donkeys. <laughs> Is any of that true? It's one hundred percent true. That <laughs> oh, that's quite. Yeah, that is quite that point. I did meet once. Um, I did meet Wally Jumblatt, <laughs> yeah, the leader no. of the Druze militiamen in in the Lebanon. I shan't exhaust the listeners with the details of why we were meeting, but I did once meet him, and sort of out of politeness, sort of courtesy, I said he was getting in his car, and I sort of pulled open the door of his car, and he had a Mercedes like five hundred sort of thing, like nineteen eighty sort of I tried to open the door and then realised I couldn't open the door. And I thought, oh, it's, what's the matter with this door? And it, was, it looked like an ordinary Mercedes, but in fact, it was armour-plated and had windows that were like an inch thick, which were bulletproof. So the door weighed as much as the whole car almost. So very difficult to open the doors. And I don't know, and I think it must have only gone at about 10 miles an hour with all the weight of it, but yeah. Have you, you never, you, but yeah, that's... Did he buy the weapons from you? <laughs> no, I put it on to you. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for joining us, Ruby. It's been Thank wonderful, you. wonderful having you as your as as the guest here today. And we've we've travelled, we've gone we've gone all around Europe, and we've come from Jamaica. Yeah. And I think most importantly, we've learnt that. And I think maybe a lot of the people, the Joyride listeners, might want to check their own feet for the travelling mole. Can the travelling yeah. mole? Because the travelling mole is only on the feet, though. Is that right? Well, yeah, well, because that's you're walking. That's what what it means. Right. Yes, I guess that's okay. what you meant. Yeah. The soles I've... of your feet. <laughs> I think I've got a travelling Veruca, but that'll do for now. <laughs> a Let's quiet lance way. It. <laughs> Well, there goes Ruby. Lovely to see her. It was lovely to see Ruby, wasn't it? And, and interesting, all those forms of transport and the different countries. I'd forgotten all the places we've, we've been on tour. And, um, yeah. and I've sent you a postcard from everyone, haven't I? Uh, everywhere, yes. Yes, good. Apart from Scarborough. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. (laughs) 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 